from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 201, Star Joe's A Real Animated Hero. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, uh, we are back for episode 201. I did promise that episode 200 was not going to be the last episode, no matter what people said during episode 200. <laughs> um, that was a lot of fun to do. And then uh, you guys heard that you know Robert, Eric, and I uh, did another uh, long review uh, that I threw at the end there uh, of the episode. So it made a nice whopping four-hour episode, which was a whole lot of fun to put together. And then, uh, yeah, so now we're back. Uh, took a little bit of time off just because I was putting out a lot of episodes in a short period of time. And I was like, I just need a little bit of a breather. Uh, but now that we're back, uh, I'll be getting this episode out relatively quickly and then get some more videos out, get some more Patreon episodes out, get some more Starjo's up. Because like I said, in episode 200, and I think I mentioned even episode 199, one of my goals for this year is to get episodes out on a more regular, consistent basis. So, um, so we're, we're starting that with episode 201. There is a chance that Robert will be joining us later in the episode, uh, hoping that can happen because these episodes are always a lot more fun when we have uh, a group of us together uh, covering them. Uh, but, John, how uh, we haven't talked to you since the holidays. How were your holidays? Uh, anything noteworthy to report that the listeners might be interested in? The uh, holidays were great. Uh, had a nice visit uh, with my family in Kentucky and my dad gave me a couple of uh, old adventure team comics from the uh 12 inch figure line nice. some of the little yeah they're just little you know uh I mean comic books as such they're just kind of little trifold looking things and I I don't own any I didn't own any of that stuff until then he knows I'm really interested in that era of Joe now and so yeah he he found several of them and was very proud of himself and I was very excited because that was 
as I always say, it's great when my parents at their age are still buying me GI Joe stuff yes. and <laughs> get excited about it is, is a lot of fun. But, uh, awesome. yeah, so no, we had a great, great visit and enjoyed some time, uh, you know, with family and friends and, uh, saw some great movies and, you know, yeah, just, uh, it was a good time all around. Cool. How about, how about you? Um, yeah, had a great time. Uh, got to see my sister and, uh, met her new boyfriend, uh, who seems like a very cool guy. Um, and, uh, he, he definitely knows a lot of movie references. So him and I got along just fine. Uh, that always helps. Um, and then, uh, my wife's whole family came into town after Christmas, uh, did the typical, uh, people might not know this, but my parents live down in Florida. So every Christmas Eve, we get together to do, uh, Skype and we do a gift exchange by way of Skype. We send them gifts and they send us gifts and we open them over Skype video, uh, with each other and everything else. So that's, uh, modern technology is, is a wonderful thing when you're away from family and everything. So. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to take my nephews, uh, to go see, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. They, it was their second time seeing it, uh, and it was my, uh, time seeing it again, getting to see it again. That was a lot of fun. It's always fun to see any movie, uh, uh, through the eyes of, of the kids and stuff like that, especially since it's, you know, stuff, stuff, ones like that are especially made for them. So, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and my one nephew, who is actually a bit older, he was seeing it for the first time. And I had a lot, the thing that I had a lot of fun when it came to taking them was, uh, they had, they know how much I'm into Star Wars and they had a lot of questions about just Star Wars in general on the car ride there and the car ride home. And that was, you can imagine that was huge for me. Like they were just asking me, well, what about this with the force? And what about this? And what about this character? And what about that character? And it not necessarily anything about the last Jedi, but just like, just in general Star Wars stuff. Like they were just picking my brain. So that was a lot of fun for me. Um, Christmas wise itself, like you were talking about with gifts. Uh, my parents got me the golden age omnibus of Batman volume one. Uh, Cause I've been listening to a lot of Gotham by geeks and Chris Campbell, Daryl Taylor and, and uh, Mike Myers and all that. They, they've gotten me to where uh, I want to read more old classic uh, Batman so much like you are, John, with the adventure team, like it, I'm like, you know, I don't know how much Golden Age Batman I've ever really read. So, uh, so I asked for, for that omnibus. So they got me that omnibus and they also got me the Superman Golden Age omnibus because with having gone to the Superman exhibit at the Cleveland Public Library and meeting Laura Siegel and everything else, like I've gotten very interested in reading those early stories of Superman as well. So that was, like you said, it's always fun when your parents embrace the, the geeky things that you're into. So, <laughs> and they, they were overjoyed to do that. Uh, my wife outdid herself again, uh, as far as, uh, going above and beyond anything I could expect. Uh, if anyone remembers, I think it was, I don't know if it was last Christmas or the Christmas before that, she had reached out to Larry Hama and got him to put on the Star Joe's shirt that we had given him in the past and had him take a selfie. And he sent that uh, as a image to her so that she could print it off and frame it. And it's actually sitting right in front of me right now. Um, and, uh, so she did that a couple, I think a couple years ago. I don't think it was last year. I think it was a couple years ago. So this year, uh, there was the news of course of Brian Michael Bendis going to DC and leaving Marvel. And 
she says, hey, did you hear about this news item? And she's awesome because she always brings up stuff that even though she has no idea what the heck it is, she knows, hey, it's comic books and this is big news. Ryan might be interested. So uh, so she asked me, I was like, yeah, I did hear about that. I was like, he's actually one of my favorite writers in comics right now. And and I know that's hit or miss for a lot of people, but he is one of my favorite writers. So um, and I'm really looking forward to see what he does with DC characters. Um, so she hearing me say that a while back, she took it upon herself to reach out to him and said, hey, my husband is a really big fan of yours. Would you be uh, willing to sign something and send it to him? She goes, you know, just a little autograph like Merry Christmas or whatever you want to send. Here's his name if you want to personalize or whatever. So all of a sudden this big box comes, like big heavy box. Um, And inside of it is uh, seven trades and three comic book issues. And uh, four of them were Iron Man uh, trades. Two of them were Jessica Jones trades. And one of them was the Civil War II trade. And the Civil War II trade was signed by Brian Michael Bendis on the inside cover. And then, and obviously all the issues and all the trades were all Brian Michael Bendis's, you know, stories that he's written. So, um, so he of course went above and beyond, but my wife reaching out to him was just awesome. Like that's very touching when she does stuff like that. It's like, um, again, it means nothing, doesn't mean anything to her, but she knows it means a lot to me. So that was a, a really cool surprise. So that, that was definitely a high, a high moment during the holidays for me. That's really, really cool. I know when you posted the pictures of that, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see creators, uh, going above and beyond Yeah, or doing anything. And it was funny. I was telling my dad the story of your, uh, experience with trying to get uh, Kermit's signature for your wedding. <laughs> yes. I don't know how that came. We were talking about something about autographs at Christmas and, and I was telling the story about the wedding and I said, you know, somebody took the time to write a letter to say, we don't have time to write, do this kind of stuff, but we had time to do that, but couldn't have just signed a picture of Kermit and said, <laughs> you know, hey, congratulations or right. whatever. He thought that was really funny, but yeah, we were, I love telling that story when, about that. when, when that type of topic comes up. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, like obviously I would have been thrilled just with like, if he had taken one of his comp issues and just signed it and sent it or something like that. Sure. Um, but for him to, have sent like, I mean, you know how heavy like seven trades can be. <laughs> yeah. So for him to pay for the postage, put it in a box and like, and, and do all that, that was just really, really cool. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, and I've actually asked Jamie if she could, uh, give me the, uh, email address or the address or whatever like that. Cause I actually want to write him back and thank him for, you know, doing something so cool. So, sure. Um, but speaking of writing in <laughs> or writing people, uh, we did get an email from uh, a listener that wanted to give us some feedback and and uh, thank and congratulate us on episode 200. Um, so this comes from Sean Strawbridge, uh, who he definitely follows us, follows us on uh, Instagram, and he's he's all over the place. So he. Uh, wanted to write in because of it being such a monumental episode and everything else. So he says, hi, Ryan and distinguished co-hosts, because uh, he didn't know who else would be here. Uh, so he says, while I've been a Star Joe's listener for a f- few years now, I discovered your show through the, the Comic Geek Speak guys. Uh, he says, I've been 
passive and haven't written to you, although we have actually exchanged brief comments comments on Instagram. My account is at the straw uh, at the Sean Strawbridge. Uh, I'm a few days late in catching up with my podcasts, uh, but I wanted to write in and congratulate you all on 200 episodes of Star Joe's. That, my friends, is an amazing feat, and I really think that it is uh, that as time has gone on, your show has gotten better and better, kind of like a kind of like vintage toys. And he put a little smiley face after that. Uh, he says, "While I've been, I've long ago lost my extensive collection of GI Joe and vintage Star Wars figures and vehicles. My interest in those properties has never really waned. I was born in 1975." which that's a good year. That's the year I was born to. Uh, so I was just the right age for when both Star Wars and Joe hit. And to say I was a big-time fan, I hesitate to use the word collector to describe those years because playing with toys was my main focus, is an understatement. Uh, I have recently become interested in hunting down some of the vintage toys of my youth, but that is a bank-breaking endeavor and is slow going. My other main interest and hobby, and one that I've actually kept up over the years is comics and comic related collectibles particularly dc stuff my collection these days has really has a real emphasis on dc universe characters and properties comics toys statues that's my jam your show helps me keep up with the other properties joe's transformers mask etc that i loved as a kid but either don't have the extra funds to to keep on my pool list or space enough on my toy shelves for at the moment. Uh, the show also helps to make me feel connected to the overall community. Uh, he goes on. You see, like the guys in, uh, like most guys in their early 40s, I'm married, work a 50 plus hour a week job, and have many adult responsibility. Put adult in quotes responsibilities that keep me from going to the comic shop weekly. I get my books and merchandise from DCBS, another discovery thanks to the Comic Geek Speak gang uh, these days, and am perpetually a month behind on my reading due, uh, due to, well, life. Your podcast, like CGS, is a lot of shows that are on the Fire and Water Network. Help, uh, oh, uh, let me see. Your, your podcast, like CGS, and a lot of the shows that are on the Fire and Water Network, help to make me feel connected to the world of fandom. It's like visiting the comic sh shop every week and getting to chat with and hear stories from like-minded buddies who share the same passions and interests. Most of my friends don't have an interest in comics or old toy properties, and not having people to relate to on that fanboy level can, uh, can be kind of alienating. Thank you so much for Star Joe's, as it helps pass the time in an enjoyable way at an otherwise uneventful office job. It makes me feel as though I have some kindred souls out there, even though we've never met. I feel like the 200th episode was a testament to this and decided it was high time I wrote in to express my gratitude for everything you guys do. Thank you. P.S. Baltimore sounds like a blast. Real comic book conventions that are more than celebrity petting zoos are becoming rare, and out of the dozens or so cons we have here in Oregon, the only one that comes close to that kind of experience is Rose City Comic Con, held annually in Portland, Oregon. It's a great show with an emphasis on comics, art, creators, and voice actors. There are years where the caliber of creators can rival a con like Baltimore, but again, I think this may be a rarity. Thanks again for the excellent show, guys. Sean Strawbridge. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. 
appreciate you listening and, and sharing and yeah, I, I, I have to say it, listening to listening to 200 just as a listener was a lot of fun. Uh, being, being in Baltimore was great and I appreciate uh, you guys sharing the insights on the, on the star Wars movie. And yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's been, a uh, like, like you said, Sean, it, it is, a uh, it's great to have people you really do. And I think that's where our, when, when I started getting involved way back on the forums and such was talking to people who wanted to talk about GI Joe and star Wars. And yeah. that was definitely not most people where I am yeah. <laughs> the guys I work with, yeah. you know, they, they think it's cool, but it's not really a, a, a great interest. So yeah, I mean, it's uh really proud of the community we have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing outside of Chuck, uh, that he was the only one that I worked with that was really into a lot of the stuff. Uh, now I work with some people. There's a few others that are into the stuff and they listen to the show and everything else. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's not like you find a whole lot of people in your, in any area that are really into this stuff, like as much as, as we are, uh, or have a passion for it. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff, I never stopped loving it, obviously. Um, but uh, in doing the show, like I love it when I hear from somebody. Number one that I never heard from before, uh, but and I've mentioned that many times before. But I also have heard many times from people saying like, it's listening to us is like hanging out with friends, you know, uh, of like-minded friends and everything else. So even though they don't get to communicate with us live or anything like that, uh, unless they have the opportunity to meet with us. Um, I totally get what they're saying because when I listen to podcasts, I feel like, oh, if I ever met these guys or, or women or whatever, like I would probably know exactly what they're like uh, because I've kept up with their shows and I know their personalities and stuff like that. And um, and I think people that have met us in person kind of feel like, feel like that when they meet us. It's like we're doing our best to kind of get to know them, but they already know us. <laughs> so, right. Um, and like I said many times on, uh, and Sean kind of touched on it here. I said it many times on the 200th episode. There's not a lot of shows that make it to this, make it this long and make it to this many episodes. So, um, I'm very proud of that. And I'm, and like you said, John, I'm very proud of the community that, that we have of listeners out there that interact with us all the time. So, so hey, I'm curious because we haven't, we haven't regrouped in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, I had a chance to listen to your interview with Brian Volkweiss, which I thought was great. And he was definitely, uh, I could have listened to him for another hour. Oh yeah. Loved, loved to have him back sometime. And as we talked about, maybe even more about stand up than anything else. But, yeah. uh, did you, did you watch all the, uh, episodes of the toys that made a shit? What, what, I, what'd you think? I did. Uh, I loved them. Uh, my biggest, complaint about the whole thing is actually not a complaint. I kind of mentioned it in the one video that I did for this Star Wars episode. Now, I'm going to have another episode out that covers the other three, uh, but it's just that they, I, I wanted more, <laughs> if nothing else. It was just like I wanted, it was cool to get a taste of everything that happened in those properties, uh, but I, I actually wanted to even learn more, and some of them were just crazy. Like, I grew up with a sister, and she was into Barbie and everything else, so I grew up with Barbie in my house, but I was like, well, I don't know how much I'm going to care about the Barbie episode. But, man, that was probably the weirdest and craziest episode out of all of them. <laughs> I, I got to agree. I, I never knew any of that history beyond, you know, beyond kind of the origin 
right. overseas, much less that the creator was shipping Hot Wheels to a dumpster somewhere yeah. just to put them in the books. And yeah, it was, it was, it really was. It was. They were all really well done. And I think to your point, they you could certainly expand. Of course, you know, we, the audience as it is. I know they've got uh, got to look at the time limits and yeah. what what would work. You know, the, the Joe one didn't really learn anything in that one, which is not a bad thing. Sure. It was, I mean, it's really cool to see, you know, people, uh, you know, everybody getting some time. It was great to see Mr. Hama on there and, yeah. and, and, uh, having that, you know, seeing that part, the, the, the most interesting one to me, or the one I learned a lot other than the Barbie was the He-Man one. Oh yeah. Because I, I was never into that property at all. I never watched the cartoon. It just wasn't on my radar. And to, to really learn about you know the rise and fall of a toy line in five years like that was just fascinating and well and how so quickly it rose had no and then just idea dove. yeah yeah that was that was really that one was really interesting because of that and and pointing to the fact of hey you know we just kept making you know stinkor or whatever and we didn't make any he man right new he man figures and so those kids that were three or four years younger than the rest couldn't get he man right. they had to get the you know the pe- the peg warmers. I, I it was real. That was yeah. that one was really interesting. The Star Wars one was great too. Uh, you know, again, did you learn a whole lot? Not really, but yeah. I, I think to, to I will say this: it was a hell of a lot better than that Toy Hunter show ever was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I just I really enjoyed it, and I, and I guess I'm surprised. I don't know when did the other shows come out. When so the second it's, half? Of, it's supposed it? to be later in this year. Uh, it hasn't really been stated exactly when. Okay. My guess would be second half of this year so maybe like may june-ish maybe around there he didn't really give me an idea as far because when i talked with him he was just saying like the first episode was coming out on the 22nd and then it was like the next day i saw the announcement saying it's gonna be the first four episodes coming out so i don't even know if they knew that they were going to release all four episodes at one chunk initially um the way he had originally talked with me it sounded like they were going to release them weekly. Like it was going to be like every oh, week okay. one was going to come out, but that's not what happened. So sure. Um, well, the, the, the other four, the, one, I know one is Lego. What are yeah. the other ones? So it's going to be Lego Star Trek, which that one puzzled me. Huh. Um, okay. Yeah. I found, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know there was enough toys for that. Um, God, what were the other two? Um, is it is it turtles or no? Or? They didn't do turtles. No turtles. Okay. That one surprised me. Um, Transformers is okay. is one of them, and uh, the last one's escape. Oh, is it Mego uh, or something? No, it's uh, Hello Kitty. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. So, uh, so, and he touched on that in the interview a little bit with us and everything. I, I miss. I'm. I'm. I, I. I'm sorry. I don't remember him talking about that, but yeah. that's. That, that, well, again, I I've learned a, a bit, as particularly on Barbie and He Man. Yeah, I, I thought they were all really well done. They were fun. The the theme song's a little goofy, but yeah. uh, I'll I'll give him a pass on that. But no, I I thought the interview was great. Yeah. He he was uh, he was uh, it was really interesting to listen to. And like I said, it, it it'd be great if, if if for some reason he ever decides to do more. Yeah, he does the rounds again. Love to get him back. And, oh, and, and I'm sure he's wanted to talk to him because I really I really. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed he um, and he genuinely would love to come back because he, when we were done recording, he like said, "Hey, man, I'm serious." He's like, uh, "I want you to send me whatever you release," and he says, "You know, good or bad," 
And he says, and I'd love to talk again with you guys. And so, so he's definitely open to coming back on the show. Um, as, as the one that said, unfortunately I was not able to be on because work duties prevailed. But as I said, I thought it was weird we didn't get a screener and that I would be the first one to say it sucked. If it sucked, it did not suck. <laughs> no. And I'm sure everybody listening has already watched it or yeah. it's in your queue if you have Netflix. Yeah. And if you haven't, go, go watch it. It's, yeah. it, it's definitely worth, it's, it's worth your time. It's entertaining. It's very entertaining. Yeah. And the, uh, the one thing that I, you were talking about the He-Man one being interesting as well and learning a lot from it. I'd learned a lot as well. Um, I knew that He-Man was one of those properties where the toy came first before everything else. But the part that cracked me up the most was I didn't realize why the comics came out and the mini comics and stuff or why the show was made. That one guy was a total BS or sales. Oh, we didn't tell you about the comic books that were coming out. Oh yeah. Then they leave the toy company leaves. That's going to sell the merchandise. And and they're like, wait, when the, when are we, when did we decide we were doing the comics? He goes, Oh, I just made that up. And then Toys R Us comes in and he tells them they're going to do a, a two hour animated movie and they're like, where did that come from? He goes, oh, we just made that up too. And then they reached out to Filmation, and Filmation's like, well, for the same price that you could do the movie, you could do a TV series. show. Right. And they're like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> I, it just blows my mind that yeah, that happened. <laughs> so, yeah, so I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm looking forward to the other ones. Um, like I said, I'm very puzzled by Star Trek, but I know that he said that's, that's his other love is Star Trek and Star Wars. So I get that, but I was just like, yeah, but from a toy standpoint, my thought would have been, like you mentioned, John, going with the Turtles, because that was obviously well, huge, but it's his show. Star Trek. Oh, yeah, I mean, Star Trek's got Mego and a lot of ships and, yeah. of course, the Playmates line for TNG, and yep. there's, a, there's a lot of Star Trek stuff out there. There's there is. The, from the first movie, anyway. And there's a lot to cover uh, but, as far as just, like, who owned the the property at different times because that's changed hands a whole lot. Sure. Um, and like Robert and I, when we, when we went through the Wish book, there was Star Trek toys in there, which I didn't even know existed in 1980. So, um, so there's definitely, I'm sure there's plenty there to to really dig into, and it's just it's an hour episode, so you know, or around an hour episode, so it's not like they have to really like have a ton of material, but you know, I'm sure finding out the origins and all that type of stuff, I'm, it'll be interesting. Even though I'm not a star Trek fan, I'm, I'm still going to watch it. I think it's going to be very interesting. So I'd say one of the coolest, if not the coolest water gun I ever owned was a star Trek phaser. Nice from the, it, it I got it in the seventies as a small kid. So I don't know if it must've come out in that time, but it was black and it looked like an original series phaser and it had the star Trek logo on the side. That's it was a water gun, and that was really, really awesome. <laughs> That's cool. I wish I still had one. It's probably worth some money now, but yeah, for sure. That was, uh, you know, fond memories of that water pistol. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, you ready to talk some GI Joe episodes here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a mixed bag, to yes. say the least. Uh, I will say there was some that I really enjoyed a lot. Uh, and, and yes, there's definitely and, some and that, some that did not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, just to let people know what I did this time to kind of keep these a little bit shorter. I know people don't mind them being long episodes, but it, it's kind of long when, when I have to just like read very long summaries and everything else. So in the past, we've used joeguide.com for episodes and episode descriptions. And what I did is when I was, uh, and I would just read it and it's, they're super detailed descriptions. 
Uh, but it's definitely a great site. You know, go check it out if you ever want to get a summary of the episodes and pictures and just a lot of other stuff that's related to GI Joe. It's, it is a great site. Um, so what it is with the first two episodes, which is a part one and a part two world without end, I actually wrote out the summary as I was watching it. So those episodes, my summary is relatively shorter. Um, and then for the other three episodes, cause my hand was getting tired writing everything and pausing this, the movie or pa- pausing the show and everything else to write it. Um, I did print off joeguide.com, but then I did a lot of editing of what they had and just kind of crossed off things. I didn't, I felt like didn't really need to be said just this way. There's a little bit more commentary and everything else. So, um, so we're going to dive in and John, at any point, feel free to jump in with any information, any, any, uh, things that caught your eye, anything that you feel like's worth commenting on. So you got it. All right. So we had uh worlds without end part one. And it opens up with uh, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts are looking for uh, blueprints and a matter transmuter. Uh, they s- uh, steal it away, but are delayed because uh, because they have to split up. They're getting chased down. They, they decide they need to split up. Uh, and this is going to delay them getting it back to Cobra Commander. Uh, Destro shows Cobra Commander how the transmuter ray can change matter of anything, which I thought was a very... Interesting weapon of sorts. Um, well, why was Zartan only halfway changed? In other words, did he it, did he have to morph into being a security guard before he got there? Because he looked really silly in his cop uniform and his. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I didn't Again, get what that. else is new? I didn't get that either. <laughs> um, well, and then I like how Destro was showing Cobra Commander how like the uh, you can change the safe into paper and stuff like that, and I was like, yeah. Why would Wouldn't you- it turn everything into it into paper? Right. I mean, or, not or, money, but paper. <laughs> right. Or wouldn't you, like, if you're changing the, uh, just changing it, why not just change it to air so you don't even have to break into anything? Just whatever's inside just all of a sudden is there. Um, so then we get to Steeler, Clutch, Lady J, uh, are, uh, looking for Zartan and Flint is, uh, Flint is chasing Zartan by hang glider, uh, but he gets stuck in a tree. And Flint shoots Zartan down. So he's stuck in the tree and he blasts at his uh, hang glider, uh, which, again, I also found that interesting. It's like a, out of all the least efficient ways of, <laughs> of having a chase scene, yeah. it's the hang glider. <laughs> um, the other Joes chase down the Dreadnoughts, who are trying to actually save Zartan, and they're in a stinger. Uh, Zartan blasts Steeler's Mauler with the rocket launcher that broke off the stinger. So the Joes blasted the stinger. The, the rocket launcher fell off and Zartan shoots it at Steeler. Um, and Steeler just barely, you know, escapes and survives. Uh, Cobra escapes in a, in a rocket that was hidden in a tree. Tree. <laughs> we can tell our kids about this. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, the Joes chase them down and like, and they go into this tree and then all of a sudden the tree splits and a rocket just shoots off. <laughs> so, um, Steeler says that uh, he's thinking about quitting G.I. Joe because uh, no one seems to win. He's like, uh, we stop them or we try to stop them. They still get away. And then they try to stop us. And it's, it's just back and forth. Uh, Flint and Lady J meet uh, some scientists, uh, which are the, supposed to be the scientists of the transmuter ray. And that turned out to actually be Zartan and Baroness, which were you surprised even the slightest, John? <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> the second I heard their voices, I'm like, that's going to be Zartan and Baroness. <laughs> uh, Flint and Lady J are pushed out of the train uh, that they were riding in, uh, and they fall over a, uh, a bridge there, and they catch themselves, and they're hanging from the bridge. Uh, Copperhead, who comes in from underneath, he starts climbing up, and he tries to get the blueprints from Steeler, uh, but Steeler stomps, goes to stomp on his hand and activates the transmuter ray. Uh, this causes a big flash, uh, break the commercial, <laughs> they come back, and the Joes wake up, uh, but in the uh, but the world around them is all altered. They realize they're in the same place, but everything has been changed. Um, Steeler is bitten by this weird bug. Uh, and the Joes are attacked by some Cobra troops in, in claws, and they go running to find cover. Uh, Clutch tries to get in touch with the Joe headquarters, but he can't get, uh, can't get in touch with anyone there. Uh, and the Joes reach a cave. Uh, and, uh, inside the cave, Footloose notices that there's an striker with keys in it. Uh, they all, pile in and they start riding it, but the Ostriker run runs out of gas or just stop, just kind of cuts out on them. Uh, they make it as far as a convenience store. Uh, they go inside the store and Steeler is actually looking pretty sick at this point. He's sweating. He's got purpley eyes and everything else. Uh, while they're in there, they yeah. Find- <laughs> yeah, he's got some crazy. Oh yeah. Illness going on. The, yeah. The purple yeah. zombie looking thing or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, they find out uh, while they're in the convenience store that uh, G.I. Joe is an underground resistance. Uh, they get uh, they have to be scanned when they go to purchase some stuff because just to make sure that they're not wanted people. Uh, the woman, the wife of the store owner, she she tells them everything that's happened. Basically, she she is the person that brings everyone up to speed as to what's been happening in that world. Um, they buy some uh, motorbikes and they ride off, but the owner runs after them saying, hey, this money's no good. This is, uh, I, I can't remember what he says, like it's Washington, D.C. money or something like or U.S. United States money. It's no good. Um, but they, they don't hear him and they drive, drive off anyways. Uh, they arrive at Joe headquarters, uh, which has been closed by Cobra. And the Joe's, uh, and... <laughs> One of the things that I wrote here is a little side note. I was like, because it, it's Flint leading the team. I was, and just because I like to make my little jabs at Duke, uh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, Duke didn't stop Cobra, so Flint wasn't around, and Cobra wins. It's very. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Joes cause a distraction with some fire uh, on like some of the ivy that's grown on the on headquarters, and they bust into their base. Uh, they find that almost all the Joes were lost in action, and some uh, were lost as casualties. And I really liked this this scene because this was one of the few times in the series, at least early on, that you actually got to hear like a lot of their actual names along with their code name and everything else. I thought that was right. really cool. All right, so uh, the Joes look to get, uh, get vehicles going to do some uh, recon, so they actually find out that a lot of the vehicles are, are still in working order. Uh, they find that Cobra has an empire, so I like that as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Dreadnoughts are a police force, which was, that was really interesting. Uh, Flint, Barbecue, and Airtight is, uh, 
so they're so those three are traveling in a um, uh, the APC that's been repainted to look like a Cobra vehicle, uh, but they're getting pulled over by the Dreadnoughts, and they actually escape out the back through some Mirage bikes. And uh, we have Lady J, Clutch, and Footloose. They're flying around in, in the Hawks, and they find that Cobra has conquered the world and changed a lot of the monuments, which I thought was really Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the Baroness statue. Yes. He's the best. Yeah. And they had what was uh, the uh, Mount Rushmore uh, yeah. <laughs> with Cobra Commander and Destro on it. And then uh, uh, Lincoln Memorial had Cobra Commander sitting on the chair in the big chair. So um, Flint, Barbecue, and Airtight uh, escape. Uh, after they've been uh, from being chased down. Uh, but they realize that they're in an alternate timeline. And just as they realize that, they get caught by the Dreadnoughts and arrested. Uh, back at Joe headquarters, Steeler is starting to go crazy and thinking that it almost, they all must have died. And the, <laughs> one of the things I always love with these G.I. Joe cartoons, the Baroness is watching from a camera and is interested in Steeler. Where that camera is and how the hell it's following all of them, I don't know. <laughs> and that crazy female agent looks like she's wearing a bikini. Yes. Like that is like this weird, you know. And I, I guess, think, you know, Star- or, uh, Scarlet had her, you know, leggings on over her. Yes. Or she had, the, you know, the, like, well, like underpants on top. That's kind of what that outfit yes. was, was crazy. Oh, and that one showed up in, like, uh, I just saw recently it was, like, uh, cartoon errors that made it past the sensors or something like that. And that was one of the <laughs> images they showed because it's like her ass is hanging out pretty That's much. Right. <laughs> um, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Lady J uh, realizes they are uh, at this point, Lady J also realizes they're in an alternate reality uh, just as they get attacked by some rattlers. And then it's to be continued from that point. So, um, it might as well just go right into the the, the next episode. Um, so, World Without End Part Two. Uh, we have Lady J, Clutch, and Footloose are able to take out three of the Rattlers, and just as they take out those three, uh, three more show up. But I did find it interesting that as they were taking out the Rattlers, they also took out the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> <laughs> just blew it up. Um, Flint, Barbecue, and Airtight are prisoners. Uh, but escape from the Dreadnoughts by fighting them in the cop car and knock it right off the road and, and get out. Uh, Steeler is just wanders around crazy from his sickness. Uh, Grunt's hunting him down and trying to convince him to come back. Uh, but he's being, <laughs> this is great too. He's being filmed. So this time we actually get to see where the camera's coming from. Uh, he's being filmed by a Cobra trooper up in a claw. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Layla, who is the bikini woman that we saw before. Uh, she actually gets a name in this episode. Uh, she works for the Baroness and says, uh, and the Baroness, uh, says that he must be infected with strain D from a bug generated in Destro's proving grounds. Uh, Baroness sends Layla to do something that we don't know what it is yet. She's like, you know what you, what you need to do and just sends, sends her out. Uh, the Rattlers report to Destro who sends an energy net. Uh, from Washington, the Washington Monument, <laughs> and it uses a device called the Parasite Matrix that captures the hawks and drains all of the energy out of them, and even drains the energy out of the uh, Joe's laser blasters and everything. Uh, and Lady J, Footloose, and Clutch start to fall uh, from there, and they're captured. Uh, 
uh, Flint Barbecue and Airtight find a uh, a slave labor camp. <laughs> with- I love this line. <laughs> Like a way to solve unemployment. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was horrible. Well, oh, like, it's not funny, but it is. Oh, I know. It's well, bad. I, I liked also though how um, uh, anytime you have to show slaves on a cartoon back in the eighties, they were always like wearing like uh, almost like smocks, <laughs> right? <laughs> With like rope tied around their waist and stuff. Um. So. Uh, Let's see, uh, Zartan finds them and he sends a signal, uh, a flare up in the sky to bring some, that brings some cobra fangs in. And the Joes shoot down one of the fangs. But then, <laughs> amazing, with amazing strength, Flint turns it upright <laughs> and they all climb in and it's still fl- in flying condition. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, fangs are really something. Right. So, uh, and they're able to kind of escape, uh, in that. Uh, Cobra Commander is torture, uh, torturing Lady J, Clutch, and Footloose for information with his centrifugal persuader, is what the device was called. Uh, Grunt chases down Steeler, but Steeler, uh, starts fighting him back and everything else. He's, he's just talking like crazy and everything else. Like, we, we fight them, they fight us. We fight them, they fight us. Uh, then when they finally knock, fall down the hill, Steeler gets some sense knocked into him and he's like, he asks Grunt for some help. Uh, as they're walking back up to the vehicle, uh, Steeler trips over a group of skeletons and- This is where it gets bleak, man. Oh, big time. The bleakest G.I. Joe ever. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, cause the second you saw them, you knew who they were. Yeah. So, uh, so- Clutch, uh, and, uh, or Grunt takes a look at the tags. And again, this is a moment where we see like their real names and everything else. And he sees that one of them is, is, uh, Clutch. He sees that one of them is himself. And then Steeler wants to know, well, who's that one? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. look at the clothes. <laughs> exactly. I like it. P-O-P-O-S. Like, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> um, but. It, it does end up being Steeler, uh, which makes him even go crazier. Uh, Layla finds them and takes them. Uh, she's, she's like, you need to trust me and come come with me. And your friend's very sick and everything. So she takes them both to the Baroness. Uh, Cobra Commander launches uh, Lady J, Footloose, and Clutch into an energy net. Uh, and tells them they're going to go on an amazing journey and stuff like that. And I thought they were going to, like, maybe Cobra Commander was going to send them into, like, the way he was talking, it sounded like he was going to put them into, like, a trap that they had to escape, like an adventure pit or something like that. And then when they just got caught by a net, I was like, okay, I don't think that's quite what you were saying before, but... (laughs) Um, So, uh, let's see, it uh, it's revealed uh, that the Baroness was in love with the stealer of that world. Uh, and it's shown that the Baroness is a double agent secretly working for the Resistance. Uh, Cobra Commander sends robotic boa constrictors <laughs> in to squeeze Lady J, Footloose, and Clutch. She, he wants to squeeze the life out of them. Uh, Flint, Airtight, and Barbecue shoot down the fang that's chasing them, uh, just to have Rattlers chase them into the parasite net at Washington Monument. Uh, Footloose... Swings and causes the boa around him uh, 
to bust through the glass and wrap around Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander falls backwards into the control panel, breaking it, which disables the other robotic snakes, and the Joes escape. Uh, Grunt and Steeler explain the truth to the Baroness, and the Baroness, Baroness decides to help them anyways. Uh, and she notices that his tattoo is uh, on the opposite arm of her Steeler, so she knows that it's it's true. Um, and I don't... I, I can't imagine that that because it was kind of a unique tattoo, but I don't think that's ever been like explored in anywhere in GI Joe. Like if I don't that think so. tattoo yeah. has any significance or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Destro welcomes Flint, Barbecue, and Airtight as they fall into into the area. There, Baroness enters and convinces Destro that Cobra Commander is working against him. So Destro leaves the prisoners with the Baroness. Uh, Cobra Commander wakes up after being knocked out by Lady J. And uh, the Baroness calls him and tells him that Destro is on his way there to claim his uh, claim his power, which that causes a Cobra Civil War that's actually mentioned that like they actually mentioned that in the episode. And I was like, wow, that term's been used before, <laughs> um, or I should say, since then. Somebody picked up on that, yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Joes with the Baroness find Lady J uh, and her group. Uh, they go to the Proving Grounds and find the portal, uh, which they were getting near the end of the episode. I was like, well, that feels like that should have taken a little longer to find. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steeler, Clutch, and Grunt. This was a really awesome and really interesting twist, I thought. Um, they decide to stay and fight Cobra. They're not going to go back through the portal. Um, it's kind of like Steeler has found a reason to keep fighting for Je- uh, for Joe. Right. Uh, the rest of the Joes arrive in the regular world where Duke was running a search and rescue mission and the episode ends. So, well, the, but they say, where, where are the other guys? Yeah. Like, there's some place where brave men are needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I gotta say though, I, I like the, I like these two episodes. I thought it was kind of a, I did too. You know, a fun time trail, you know, uh, alternate reality, time traveling kind of thing the the like i said when you saw the skeletons and when they show that when they're reading the names and it shows like the one shot of all the joes and their heads are bowed yeah and they're like oh you know holy cow that was that was for a gi joe and a cartoon it was for a kids very, it was very powerful yeah, it was know? very serious like it was yes, done really was. well um yeah i really loved these two episodes like way more now older than i'm sure that i did when i was a kid Right. Um, and I love, I mean, it's been well known on the show. Like I love alternate reality stories. So this was perfect for that. Um, I want to know more about this. I want to know more of this story now though. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess as a, as a kid, I don't remember not ever seeing clutch and yeah, those guys again, clutch dealer and grunt. They're just gone. Yeah. Of course, clutch was in his, in his second uniform, which was cool too right. to see, yeah to see him in the, in the desert. Yeah, style I, tan tan uniform. Yeah, it never dawned on me either. I was like, wow, I didn't realize we never see these guys again. Um, and and not that they were like huge characters where you're like, sure, oh, like, but yeah, but even so, it's like, wow, yeah, you never see these characters again, which sucked for me as a kid because I do remember having Grunt was like my first GI Joe figure I ever had. <laughs> so, um, but uh. Yeah, like I said, there was there's a part of me that I was like, man, I wish somebody'd pick up on this story, like for a comic miniseries, and like say, you know, tell the rest of the story. Like, did they topple Cobra? Like, what happened? Did they find some other Joes? 
Like, I want this story to continue. <laughs> you know, like... Where's Martin Pasco? IDW, if you're listening, find him and put him to work. Right. Make it happen. Just, yeah. Like, do a Tales of G.I. Joe series, IDW, and then and tell, like... Because there's another story in here that I'll tell you, uh, or another episode in here that I'll say, I'll when we get to it, I'll mention, like, that I want to hear more s- stories of. Right. Um, so, yeah, I really, like... These two episodes, I think, so far uh, have been, like, definitely up there for, like, favorite episodes of the entire series. Um, I thought they were very well done, like you said, very serious moments at times and um, and definitely unique and, and, and consequences at the end, you know. Like, had had the next episode, you know, you saw any one of those three guys that have been like, well, they didn't pay attention to continuity at all. <laughs> but, no, you don't ever see these guys again. So, uh, and you just know they're fighting the good fight. So, And the other thing you mentioned, like, how they end the episode, most other episodes they end with a joke. Right. And this one they didn't. You know? Yeah. It was very somber and very serious. So, um, so yeah, I was... Like I said, I watched that episode and I was like actually hyped after watching watching the two parter and I was just like I was like, I wanna know what happens. I wanna I want more stories. <laughs> well, and now for something completely different. <laughs> you you mean ooh de cobra? <laughs> oh ooh de ooh de cobra. Ooh de cobra. <laughs> All yeah, right. It stinks, let's just say <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, although there, I will say there's one thing it, that happens in it that I was, I thought was kind of cool to see, even though I think it could have been done better. So, but I'll mention that when we get to it. Sure. Um, so this, the, these, this one will be a little, you know, these next episodes will be a little bit longer as far as the description, but not as long as they have been in the past. So, so, uh, visitors walk out of the British Museum, uh, security guards walk down, uh, one of the corridors in the museum and a mummy opens his eyes, climbs out of his display and walks uh, to a glass case where a stone tablet is stored. Uh, he removes the tablet, but before he can take a picture of the back of the tablet, security guard catches the thief. The mummy throws the, uh, the camera at the guard and uh, runs from the guard. Uh, more guards appear and try to stop the mummy. However, he leaps out uh, onto a statue and then crashes through a window. Uh, we then go to two men at, at an Arctic base, uh, they're listening to a news uh, report about the theft and are attacked by a man who shoots various pieces of equipment in the lab while standing in the shadows. Uh, he's trying to hide his identity, and uh, he makes a comment about the blue liquid on his sleeve, uh, which was splashed on there while he was shooting stuff in the room. Uh, he says how it's disgusting, and he orders the men to take him to the late, their latest find, which is called the Jackal's Bane Root. Uh, one of the men steps on an alarm on the floor, alerting Breaker at Joe headquarters. Uh, that's your boy there, John. And uh, Flint. The who- one redeeming part of this episode. <laughs> that's well, not true, but he's definitely a highlight of it. Yes, he's definitely a highlight of it. Uh, I will also say, and we've mentioned this many times on these uh, animated episodes, who is the one guy that you want to send in if you want the mission completed? You want to send in Firefly. <laughs> That's right. Firefly, through all these, because this is not the only episode he appears in. Every time Firefly has a mission, he gets it done. He gets it done because he's a badass. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you didn't know, the shadowy guy is it's Firefly. So <laughs> uh, Flint, who is told uh, about the distress call and is standing next to Scarlet and Lady J, who are sunbathing on the roof of the headquarters. <laughs> 
I don't as you do. I don't even understand why that is in the episode. <laughs> um, and, and aren't they in a snow area too? <laughs> he would have thought so. <laughs> um, so he tells Breaker to alert the snow, uh, alert snow job and frostbite, which I thought that was cool to see frostbite. Um, we've seen snow job before, but haven't sure. seen frostbite. So that was pretty cool. Um, the Joes attack Firefly uh, after he melts the ice covering the plant and rips it from the ground. Uh, Firefly flies away in a Cobra trouble bubble uh, after evading a bunch of shots being fired uh, at him, uh, which he evaded a lot of shots being fired at him. <laughs> uh, he flies into a giant Cobra head that emerges from under the snow, which is part of a submarine, and the head sinks into the water. Uh, one of the researchers notes that the Cobra agent can be tracked uh, since the radioactive liquid was, uh, since it was radioactive liquid that was splashed on Firefly's sleeve. Uh, at Joe headquarters, Lady J wonders who could have robbed the research facility, and Flint explains that the thief was Firefly since he is the only Cobra agent who would go to such pains to conceal his identity. Uh, Breaker reports that the Cobra sub is sailing to Madagascar and Flint, Lady J, and Shipwreck sail to Pirate's Cove, which, according to Shipwreck, has been uh, a port for smugglers for centuries. Uh, Firefly tells Cobra Commander that since his mission has been accomplished, he expects uh, his payment to be wired to him. Uh, A Cobra agent reports that Firefly has returned covered in radioactive tracking paint and Cobra's, uh, Cobra Commander demands that the lab be evacuated and that the personnel should be, should prepare for an attack. Uh, Flint and Lady J glide into the base on Mantas, which was the dumbest way to enter a base when you're being shot at. <laughs> yeah, but man, you hadn't seen Mantas in a while. Those That's things were true. awesome. They were awesome. I do remember. Cause weren't those mailaways that you had to get? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I believe they were. Yeah. I'm- yeah, I think I had one. Yeah, I had one. It's a cool. They were cool. Yeah, uh, they recover the tablet and realize that uh, the theft at the British Museum is connected to the Jackal's Bane. Telling Lady J that they need to leave quickly, Cobra Commander appears on the screen, and with a push of a button, explode uh, explosions detonate behind the Joes and toss them to the other side of the room. Which was just a very funny way to end to go to commercial was seeing. Uh, Flint and Lady J's bodies flying towards the camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Joes fall out of the base and into the water. Flint swims up to the surface and Lady J translates the hieroglyphics uh, before uh, Flint has to drop the tablet into the water, otherwise he was going to drown. Uh, she learns that the inscription was a recipe for a love potion that will cause a man to fall in love with the owner forever. Uh, Cobra Commander states that the tablet no longer matters since they have the Eau de Cobra, a perfume that will make the Baroness irresistible to any man. Which totally reminds me of the conch shell. Like, this is just a different version <laughs> of the conch shell story. That's all this is. <laughs> You're not supposed to remember that. Come on, man. That's one of the best episodes we ever did. <laughs> oh, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying you're not supposed to remember the conch. <laughs> anyone wants to check out episode 132, <laughs> go check it out. Um, so Flint asks Breaker to transfer him to Short Fuse. And Flint <laughs> asks Short Fuse, uh, who is the wealthiest bachelor in the world? Because this is obviously right up Short Fuse's alley because he keeps up with all this stuff. Uh, Short Fuse informs Flint that the shipping tycoon Socrates Ertis, 
uh, holds the title and is holding a party on his yacht in a few days uh, with the Baroness as his wife to uh, as the wife to the owner of the world's largest shipping fleet. Flint and Lady J realize that Cobra could quickly become the owner of the shipping organization. I, I just love that short fuse is reading the national rag. <laughs> that is the best. Yes, absolutely. That's a good. That's a good bit too. The national rag. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, while on the yacht, the Baroness sprays herself with eau de cobra and causes Socrates to fall in love with her. The Joes sneak on board and Flint orders Deep Six, who is under the yacht in a shark, to stay below and watch for Cobra. Uh, Socrates whisks the Baroness away to dance. Uh, Destro then uh, points out that two Joe agents, Flint and Lady J, have infiltrated the yacht. Cobra Commander orders two Cobra agents to attack the Joes, but Flint and Lady J flip the Cobra agents over the side of the boat. Uh, Destro notes that the mission is taking a turn for the worse and plans to go on the boat to monitor the mission personally. Uh, as Flint dances with the Baroness and promises to expose the Baroness, she sprays a heavy dose of the perfume at Flint. And with the Joe under her control, the Baroness orders Flint to dispose of the pesky Lady J. Is this the first time we've ever seen Flint without his beret on? I think so. I think it is. Yeah. Because I, I was going to say, is. I think there was even the time he went into his apartment where we got to see his apartment. He was wearing his beret, even though he wasn't. Know, his I'm uniform. fairly sure he is. Yeah. I, he has a striking haircut. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Good military man. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, as Flint walks over to Lady J to fill the orders of the Baroness, Destro grabs him and tells Flint that he will not allow the Joe to take what belongs to him. Uh, but Flint tells Destro to buzz off and the two fight on the deck of the boat, which I will say this is the thing that I liked in the episode, but I wish it could have been executed a little bit better because as a kid, I loved Flint and I loved Destro and I always made them mortal enemies of each other in my toy playing. Um, so to see them actually fight in an episode, I was, it was, it brought back those memories for me. So, um, so Socrates orders the men to be tossed off the boat. Uh, which Flint just gets tossed off the boat, but Destro gets picked up by a giant net <laughs> and thrown off. Um, while the two men float in on life preservers, Cobra Commander laughs. The Baroness, who overhears the comments of Destro, tells him that they will have a talk later. Uh, then turns around and comes face to face with Socrates and asks for a place to rest. Socrates offers his cabin, and Lady J offers to hold her purse, grabs the bottle of Eau de Cobra perfume, and sprays herself uh, and to convince Socrates to dance. <coughs> um, Lady J knocks the bottle out of the hands of the Baroness, and the other ladies on the ship fight to get control of the perfume, because all of them and, have realized now that that's what's causing him to like them. And you know what all I could think of during that scene when the, the bottle's rolling around and they're all jumping after it? Yeah. All I could think of was the Cafe Obi-Wan sequence oh, in yeah. Temple of Doom. Yes. <laughs> they're all trying to That is an excellent antidote. point. Yeah, it that's was perfect. Because they're all dressed up, yes. you know, and the thing's just rolling. Yeah. I totally I like, see that. This is great. I totally it's see so that. So ridiculous. Absolutely. And the thing even, is, even I, the perfume bottle has the co cobra. It looks like Cobra yes, Castle on yes. it. You know? <laughs> and you know, when I was watching it, I was saying this looks really familiar, but that's totally probably what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, relation to that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so let's see. Cobra commander orders the Baroness, uh, to recapture the bottle. But after she obtains the bottle, Lady J kicks the bottle out of her hand and into the water. She radios, 
uh, Baroness radios Cobra Commander about the bottle, while Lady J radios Deep Six. Uh, just as Deep Six is about to grab the bottle, the uh, Cobra sub attacks, and Deep Six radios for backup. Several Joes, di- uh, Joe divers drop out of a plane, while Cobra eels dive uh, from Cobra Commander's boat in order to retrieve the bottle. The Joes and Cobras continue to fight. Both of the Joes and Cobras lose the bottle thanks to a crab that carries the perfume down into a hole. Because <laughs> as crabs do. That's right. Because <laughs> they want to smell good too. Right, exactly. And I will say, I don't know if uh, I didn't pay close enough attention to be able to pick up on anyone, but a lot of the voices of the Joes when they would speak sounded like characters that we knew. I just didn't pick up right. on who they might yeah, be. It- why would they not have torpedo in there? I don't know. How could you got deep six? Yeah. How could you not have torpedo down there fighting fighting the eels? Well, we don't have torpedo tonight so far. No, we don't. So, <laughs> so maybe that's damn it. Not. He was busy. <laughs> um. So let's see. Uh, the the Baroness runs uh, out of uh of a room on the boat and runs towards the railing. However, Lady J tackles the Cobra agent to the ground only to discover that the lady is actually the uh, duchess that was a guest there. Uh, the real Baroness leaps off the yacht and onto a Cobra boat, revealing herself. Uh, she, Flint is uh, waving goodbye to the Baroness, and Lady J asks, you sure that perfume wore off? <laughs> uh, and we see Socrates uh, standing there against the railing, telling himself, I think I shall remain a bachelor. <laughs> what? Why in the world did the Duchess have the mask on? I don't know. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm not a Baroness, I'm a Duchess. It's like, why in the hell are you? Why would you have the mask? Right. I kind of get, I kind of get the wig, but I don't get the mask. <laughs> it's weird. I also love that uh, Baroness shells all fair in love and war, and is like has her arms, you know, on this, you know, both up in a big pose, you know, yes. as, as driving off. Yeah. Uh, it just it made me laugh and it made me think of and this is going to sound bizarre back in the 90s uh, in NASCAR uh, <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Kyle Petty used to drive for Coors Light right oh, okay yeah. and, and one year and he he kept saying Earnhardt was wrecking or Dale Earnhardt senior that is who drove the black number three so they made the, what they called the protest car and it was a black basically they said if if Earnhardt does it he gets away with it I don't because I don't I'm not in a black car so they made a black Coors Light car and they wrote in Spanish all fair in love and war right behind the the numbers on the front of them. <laughs> sorry um yeah my NASCAR nerddom is coming out here but that's all I get they like when they, they that's fine. Black, out of the black Coors Light protest car oh I need awesome. a drink <laughs> yeah, this was uh, not one of the better episodes. <laughs> it, it was serviceable. It had its moments. Yeah. It got breaker. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that crab, but I and I love the uh, yeah. I guess uh, you know the Onassis name was already taken, so you couldn't do that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it was. Um, and like not, I said, I liked seeing I liked seeing Flint and Destro fight each other. Even yeah. though I wish it would have been a little bit better of a fight, but uh, like I said, those. That I mean, everyone knows that Flint is my favorite Joe, but Destro was my favorite Cobra, and I always liked him way more than Cobra Commander. Uh, I thought he was more calculating and stuff like that, and he had you know the cool rockets on his wrists and stuff like that. So as a toy, he was like really cool, and he had the chrome dome and everything. So I always liked making Flint and and Destro my leaders uh, against each other and everything else. So they would fight against each other all the time. So um, 
but yeah, it was it was a ridiculous episode, and and like I said, it totally reminded me of the conch shell. It's just a different take on that yeah. same story. <laughs> That's all it was. And ultimately, I'm like, okay, you got this perfume because remember what, with the conch shell story, Baroness like used it against. Destro and Cobra Commander and stuff like that. I was like, you got this perfume. Why aren't you using that against them also? Just take over Cobra. So, right. Which I will say, if the Baroness ever was in charge of Cobra, they probably would win more. <laughs> so, um, all right. So next we have a uh, somewhat timely episode, uh, even though we're past Christmas. Uh, we are still dealing with a lot of snow. Uh, we have Cobra Claws are coming to town. Which is a, a classic episode that everyone remembers, but is also one of the, in my opinion, is the most ridiculous episode <laughs> of these five, just because of one reason. <laughs> oh well, yeah, ridiculous, but in terms of quality, it's it's a good. I liked it. I it is it a good fun. episode. It's yeah. funny. It you is know, a fun. Funny. It is a fun episode. It is it is funny. Uh, there's some really cool moments in it. Um, but yeah, the yeah. my my fan my. Lack of fandom for one of the characters and what I I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get into this. Yeah. Uh, While Polly is singing Jingle Bells on Shipwreck's shoulder, uh, Shipwreck grabs the parrot uh, parrot's beak and tells him to be quiet, or there'll be a feather duster in his future. Cover Girl says that the Joes have collected enough toys for their toy drive to beat last year's contribution to a local children's hospital. Uh, Wild Weasel attacks the Joes in a Rattler, and Cover Girl drives onto a road surrounded by ro- uh, rocky cliffs. Uh, and the moment she stops, Firefly, once again, appears from behind a door built into the rock quarry. <laughs> <laughs> she just happens to stop at just the place where they have right. a door built into the rock quarry. Uh, and he drops toys into the Joe, uh, Joe's G.I. Joe Happy Holiday Wagon. Uh, Wild Weasel receives Firefly's signal indicating his part of the mission has been accomplished, because of course, because it's Firefly doing it. Uh, and uh, Wild Weasel uh, zooms away. Uh, unsure why the Cobra plane left the Joe's, Cover Girl tells the others, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. And then we pan to a toy horse, rocking horse inside the trailer. And his eyes start to uh, to blink. And, uh, and I should I I think it's hysterical that they're first of all it's Christmas time and they're riding in an all striker. Yes. So they're all in winter gear. They couldn't drive an APC because yes, you also want to have an exposed U-Haul on the back <laughs> that that proudly dis- displays the GI Joe logo. Yes. And says Happy Holiday. This is just. Hysterical. And you can't you can't take like a snow cat, which probably opens up in the back, and you put all the <laughs> yeah. toys in there and close it up right. and everything right. else. Yeah, because why would you do that? Why would you do that? Right. Because um, obviously they're traveling around in public right now and wanting to show like, hey, we're delivering toys. Oh wait, no, they're not. They're driving around in right. the desert, <laughs> the snowy desert of all places. Right. Um. Shipwreck, Dusty, and Covergirl arrive at Joe headquarters, and Blowtorch removes the rocking horse from the trailer and tells Shipwreck and Roadblock that he always wanted a toy, uh, wanted the toy since uh, since he was a boy. Uh, Covergirl walks with Duke in the snow and explains that if Cobra launched a full-scale assault, the base uh, could be vulnerable since most of the Joes are on holiday leave. Flipping a switch, Duke tells Covergirl that the base is safe as long as they have the automatic defense grid activated and a fence composed of r- bright red lasers surround the base. 
I want to know where those lasers go because they just kind of went up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like a lightsaber. They just have it. Right. right. They just keep going. Uh, the Joes sit down for a Christmas dinner prepared by Roadblock. However, Mutt excuses himself from the table. Uh, and uh, Junkyard uh, leaves his drumstick behind that Duke had given him uh, to follow Mutt. And while walking with Junkyard, Mutt explains to his best friend that he always finds himself slightly depressed during the winter holidays because his parents always made a big fuss over the holidays. As a result, Mutt was never able to, uh, never able to experience the little things that make the holidays memorable and enjoyable. Which, that was a weird explanation to me. He's like, oh, my parents always made a big deal out of Christmas. I'm like, well, wouldn't you then, like, have enjoyed Christmas? <laughs> Right. I was maybe ex- he never never got to help. They, yeah. they had to make perfect. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Mutt's thoughts are cut short as he hears a noise in the Joe's uh, toy depot. The rocking horse moves forward and several miniature it's Cobra agents. And awesome. Blood this is awesome. <laughs> are ejected from the saddle of the horse. Uh, miniature snakes, uh, which are the big armor, those armored uh, units, uh, burst out of the teddy bears. <laughs> Which I actually favorite. liked that. That was My cool. Favorite. Yeah. And uh, Rattler's fangs and claws fly out of, of a drum set uh, as Mutt sounds the alarm before falling to the floor unconscious due to the sleeping gas from the Cobra's aerial weapons. Uh, as the Joes rush outside, the Baroness flies to the control panel for the defense grid and destroys it with a blast from her Rattler. Uh, Firefly runs toward the wall of the Joes' headquarters, uh, scales it, to the top and shoots the Cobra forces uh, with a gun that enlarges the Cobra personnel and vehicles to full size. One of the things I found interesting with that too was, so Baroness was able to shoot the panel and destroy it. Right. But a few seconds after that, the Joes are being, you know, fighting these little things. And I think it's roadblock or somebody that gets shot in the foot with one of the rattlers. And I'm like, but wait, it destroyed the panel, but it only kind of well, hurt. And Major Blood shot uh, uh, Junkyard in the nose. Yeah. And he just kind of just kind of shrugged it off. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what made me think of this. I'm going to say it because it just did because yeah. I've been watching a lot of Community lately on DVD. Yeah. All I could think of with the little toy part was the opening of G.I. Jeff and Cobra, Cobra, Cobra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just, oh, guys, so great. I, this, I, yeah, this is – this this is the part of the episode that made it for me. I mean, you know, I love snake armor, and it's just yeah. so badass when they pop out. Yeah, for sure. And the little the little major blood shooting. Yes, gun. that's fantastic. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah, those snake armors. Those are really cool. I never owned one as a kid, but they they were really oh. cool. Um, Roadblock shoots at the wall under Firefly and causes the Cobra saboteur to drop the gun. Uh, the Joes are surrounded, and Cobra Commander walks out of the toy bunker and tells the Joe season greet season's greetings. Uh, Cobra tells Duke that the Joe's base is now under Cobra control, but cover girl yells, yo Joe and the other Joe's then open fire and launch their own offensive. Uh, Duke smashes the butt. I, I actually really like this scene. Uh, Duke smashes <laughs> the butt of his rifle into the snakes, uh, snakes robot yeah. visor yep. and then turns the gun around and fires a shot th- uh, into its head. Uh, that causes the robot to explode. Although that robot, ex- that snake exploded, which caused the other two to explode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the uh, the Baroness fires a gas bomb at the Joes, and Duke, Tripwire, Blowtorch, Polly, Shipwreck, and Roadblock fall to the ground unconscious. Uh, when the Joes are awake, Covergirl demands to know what has happened to Duke, and Cobra Commander explains that Duke has had a change of heart. Uh, Cobra uh, explains that Cobra plans to use the Joes' vehicles to attack Key- Keystone City, a plan that will convince the U.S. government that the Joes have defected. Uh, turning on a monitor, Cobra Commander then shows the Joes a television broadcast of Duke telling the citizens of Keystone that they are now under the martial law of G.I. Joe. Uh, Covergirl asks Cobra Commander what he has done to Duke, but then Duke enters the room, rips off his mask to reveal himself as Zartan. Uh, Cobra Commander orders the Joes to take uh, to be taken to a cold storage room since he wants to keep in the spirit of the season. Do, do you remember the Keystone City thing? Is that I, do they reference that a lot? I, I don't. I don't remember them referencing it. it I don't. I don't either. It's just weird. Yeah, the and, way they kind of talk about it, it made you think like that it was someplace that they've mentioned before, or that it has some type of significance. But um, I don't really remember that ever being used before. Yeah. Well, I know one of our listeners if they picked up on it, they'll let us know. But I, I don't remember that. I just thought it was weird yeah. that they'd pick Keystone City and not the United States or not the world or yeah. you know. <laughs> Now I know, city. yeah, and I know uh, Keystone City is in DC Comics. It's one of the cities that the Flash protects. Um, so I don't know if there it could just be a nod to comics or mm. something. I don't know, but but yeah, like, like you said, the way they talk about it, it's as if it, it had some type of significance because they definitely made it a point to to right. say the name and everything. So um, yeah, I'd be interested if anyone out there knows like what the significance of Keystone City is outside of you know Flash. <laughs> So, um, the Joes hang are hung on uh, meat hooks and suspended over the ground. Uh, Cobra Commander learns that Major Blood's men uh, will be able to fly the Sky Strikers in an hour, and then visit. And then he goes to visit the Joes. Shipwreck uh, clings to a piece of meat with his legs in order to lift his handcuffs over the uh, meat hook. And just as Cobra Commander enters the room, Shipwreck grabs the meat hook and listens to Cobra Commander's. Uh, bi- uh, babble about their gloomy face, uh, about their gloomy faces on a holiday morning and explains that he has even brought the Joes a gift, the key to their handcuffs. And as soon as Cobra Commander leaves, Shipwreck hops down and grabs the key. <laughs> because of course Cobra Commander is that right. stupid. Right. Cause it's the typical James Bond thing to do, right? <laughs> the villain thing to do. Like, you, you give them a way to get out. It's always, that always reminds me too of, um, is it one of the Austin Powers movies where, uh, Dr. Evil's son says, well, don't you want to stay here and watch him die and kill him? He's like, no, I'm just going to leave the room and assume everything went according to plan. (laughs) Uh, Destro welds the gun back together uh, and the Joes blow the door away uh, to his room. Uh, Tripwire checks the monitor to see if Cobra has uh, left and finds out that the Joes are too late. Uh, Destro picks up the molecular uh, reducer and larger very fancy name for it, uh, and fires several shots at the Joes. Yeah, uh, I love this. Yeah. There's the a door. Qu- equipment and doors are shrinking everywhere. <laughs> the door just shrinks yeah. right off the frame. Yep. Uh, Polly uh, attacks Destro and distracts him long enough for the Joes to smother him in a tackle, but not before Destro hits the parrot. Uh, Covergirl picks up Destro's gun, shakes it, and hears something loose rattling inside. Uh, before 
before Wild Bill can swat away a fly, Shipwreck grabs one of Wild Bill's hands and tells him that the fly is actually Polly. Uh, Polly flies in the air and uh, is hit with a beam from the gun after Tripwire finds the enlarger switch. Uh, in his normal size, Polly falls into Shipwreck's hands, and, he pla- and Shipwreck places his pet on a miniature table. Uh, as soon as the Joes leave the room, Polly begins to grow larger. <laughs> as he would do. Right. <laughs> the Joes board a claw and tr- uh, trouble bubble, a hiss, a stinger, uh, which has an asp in tow, and a fang and a rattler. Uh, inside a sc- the Sky Striker, a handcuffed Duke tells Cobra Commander that he will not win because the people will fight back. And Cobra Commander says he couldn't care less and replies that the people will just die. Uh, attacking the open streets of the city, a father picks up his son and runs for cover. Uh, speeding to the city on a silver Mirage motorcycle, Zartan tells his dreadnoughts to pick up the pace since they are not being paid to miss out on the fight. Uh, but two missiles from Blowtorch's claw cause Zartan and the Dreadnoughts to be knocked off their vehicles before they explode. Uh, Polly awakens inside Joe headquarters and bursts through the roof, whistling and singing jingle bells, and flies away. Uh, an enraged Cobra commander states the Joes are stopping Cobra in Cobra's own vehicles. Uh, driving past the, the Cobras, Mutt pulls the stinger with an asp and Roblox in tow. Um, and lets the teammate blow the jeeps away. The uh, the Baroness, who is in an striker, in front of Mutt, tells the driver to turn around, and she blasts the, the road with the cannon. Uh, the Stinger flips over due to the holes in the ground, and as the Baroness circles around, Roblox comments, That witch has a way with a laser ray. <laughs> <laughs> that one I had to write down, because that was... He finally got one, yeah. He finally he had, got he one. He had a quip in a while. He had not. This whole episode, I was like, when's he going to say something that rhymes? <laughs> Uh, while Bill pulls up a, uh, pulls up and loops over a dragon, f- uh, fly flown by Wild Weasel, and Wild Weasel shouts, nobody can, uh, can do that with a fang, and while shooting down the Joe helicopter, Wild Bill shouts, well, I ain't nobody. <laughs> uh, Shipwreck destroys the striker with the Baroness, and a Cobra Rattler piloted by CoverGirl, s- uh, stops several Maulers with her missiles. Uh, CoverGirl cover tells Cobra Commander to land his Sky Striker, or her next shot will uh, bring the plane down. But Cobra Commander flies up and over and arrives behind the Rattler. Uh, as he arms the missile on the Joe, uh, Joe plane, Duke leans forward and chokes Cobra, Command, uh, Cobra Commander in an attempt to stop him. However, the missile is fired and hits the Rattler. Uh, CoverGirl is knocked unconscious, but Polly grabs the plane with both feet, dips the plane in the lake, and sets it on the ground. Uh, Duke tells Cobra Commander to surrender and land the plane or they will both crash. After seeing the large parrot, Cobra Commander pulls the ejection switch and throws Duke to the ground. Polly catches Duke and places him on the ground. Uh, and, uh, let's see, uh, Cover Girl, uh, let's see, after, uh, yeah, let's see, that happened. So Cobra Commander escapes. Uh, Cover Girl gives a gift to Duke, the key to his handcuffs. CoverGirl kisses Duke, which I found that interesting, because <laughs> it wasn't just a kiss on the cheek yeah. or anything like that. It was a full kiss on the lips, uh, and wishes him a Merry Christmas. Uh, Mutt realizes that he no longer feels so glum on Christmas morning, and the other Joes begin to wish one another a Merry Christmas as well. Shipwreck laughs nervously at Polly, who whistles and yells, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. 
with his hands uh, in his coat pockets, Shipwreck walks away from Polly and mumbles, Bah humbug. And there you have Cobra Claws are coming to town. So even even with gigantic Polly, it was still good. It's a fun episode. It, but is, I, it is a fun it, one. I, the, I don't... The, the cover, cover girl on this one is weird. Yeah. I, I don't know if you noticed this. It sounds like all of her stuff is dubbed in. Oh, I didn't notice. It's, it's, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it always sounded like her voice just didn't seem to match up huh. with anybody else's. And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just dreaming it. Maybe it's because maybe I don't hear her a lot. Yeah. It just, it sounded odd. And, you know, again, she's never really had a lot of focus, but man, right. Duke gets her and Scarlet and. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what? What's the deal there, Conrad? Yeah, and is but, what, uh, wasn't uh, and wasn't Cover Girl essentially like late, later on at least uh, made into Shipwreck's girlfriend and stuff? So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And if you're if you're Grub, she's Dusty's girlfriend, so right. I, you know, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it was weird. I, I I just I I have not noticed that before. Yeah, but I'll have to check with that other out. characters, but it just sounded. The level, I don't know if it's the levels, and maybe they did, did dub in her voice later. Maybe they changed characters or their voice people. Yeah. It just, it was odd. And I noticed it a couple different times. Yeah. In when she had part, when she said stuff. So, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check it maybe out again. It, but. Yeah. And uh, now we come to the the last uh, episode that we'll be covering in, in this episode. And, and I will say, we are not too far from being done with season one of G.I. Joe, uh, which is, is cool. Uh, if we continue doing five episodes each time we do one of these episodes, uh, we'll be done with season one, which was a lot of episodes. You have to remember, back in the day, a season wasn't just 24 episodes or 20 episodes or anything like that. It was like 50, 60-some episodes, 70-some right. episodes. So, um, And I think this one, the ones we've done take us up to like episode 51 or 52 or something like that. Um, but we will, if we do three more of these episodes, we'll be done because there's only 15 more episodes left, um, right. for season one. So, uh, if, if at all possible and the, and the gods are willing, I, I actually, that's one of the things I'd like to maybe get done this year, like before 2018 is over do those three episodes. So once a quarter, maybe we can get one of these episodes in where, where we do the cartoon. Let, let's do this one. Cause I hated this. One. <laughs> this was such a turd. Oh, <laughs> eye for an eye. Yeah. Brown eye, maybe. Right, All right, well. so, so we got eye for, I didn't hate this one. So. I thought this was so stupid, man. I, could, <laughs> I just couldn't stand it. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's let's get into it then. So uh, looking at a map, uh, Lady J tells Flint, who is driving a truck with a plane in tow, uh, that, is, uh, that is escorted by several snowcats, that a mountain pasture should be near uh, the next turn on the road. Uh, Snowjob, who is on the back of the trailer with Rakondo, Airtight, Alpine, and Bazooka, uh, shouts to the other Joes about the beauty of the rugged peaks and snow-covered pines in the mountain pasture. Now, the one thing I will say... <laughs> I'm they, sorry. Yes. They, don't, they don't really pay attention to who they pick as Joes for some of these missions and episodes. No, no. Because <laughs> while I get Alpine, I kind of get Bazooka because they're always a team, and I get Snowjob, I don't understand Airtight and Rakondo. <laughs> yeah. 
Especially when everybody else is in winter gear except for Rakano. He's talking about, I want to be out in the heat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, As Bazooka explains that he feels homesick, Alpine jokes that Bazooka is from South Florida, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Bazooka, (laughs) unfazed by the the insult, explains that he misses Minnesota. Um, As soon as Rakando wishes for hot and steamy jungle, their conversation is interrupted by an attack from snow serpents. Uh, which I liked seeing the snow serpents. That was yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, Flint orders Bazooka to blow away a blockade. Uh, the snow serpents radio Cobra Commander, who is flying a Cobra Rattler, that the Joes have refused their invitation. Uh, Flint says that Cobra uh, wants the Joes' new fusion engine plane as badly as the Joes want to keep it, and then Cobra attacks from the sky with Rattlers. Um, meanwhile, inside the uh, a house along the Joe's path, a mother strikes a deal with her son and daughter. The first uh, to wash their hands is allowed to eat a cookie. Uh, the sound of the battle attracts the, uh, the boy and his mother to the front porch. Uh, a rattler circles the transport and attempts to stop the Joe's. However, Lady Jade tosses a spear, strikes the plane, and causes enough damage to the plane to force it to crash. But the plane smashes into the side of the house. Uh, the mother grabs her son and runs from the house, uh, while Cobra Commander retreats because he has run out of ammunition, which that, that in itself was dumb. <laughs> um, Lady J and Bazooka pick up the mother and her son, but when a little boy asks about his sister Sally, Lady J runs into the house to find her. Uh, the father, Mr. Fairmont, is met at the airport by two men in trench coats and sunglasses, and is told that his family has been in an accident. Mr. Fairmont bursts into the waiting room uh, in the hospital and begins to demand for someone to tell him about his family. Uh, A doctor enters the room and tells Fairmont that his wife sustained a mild concussion. His son received some scratches and bruises. However, his daughter is suffering uh, from a mild case of smoke inhalation, but her situation is diagnosed as good. Uh, Lady J explains that the Joe's convoy was attacked by terrorists, a uh, terrorist group known as Cobra, and one of the planes the Joe shot down crashed into his home. His family was saved, but the home was completely destroyed. Flint tries to explain that Cobra endangered Fairmont's family, but Fairmont brushes away his comments and asks how he can get even. Uh, Fairmont then turns to the doctor, asks him to take care of his family, and after explaining that he has a score to settle, runs out of the room. Dresses an, uh, a little bit later on, dresses an army officer, Fairmont approaches a military police security post, and asks the MP for directions to the computer center. The MP explains the room is on the first floor, and as soon as the MP turns his back, Fairmont knocks him out and enters the Joe headquarters, which seemed way too easy to enter Joe headquarters. I, again, I yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's all it takes. Huh? you got to get past one MP. <laughs> um, what happened to those laser array thing that they had for <laughs> The Baroness took it out, remember? Oh, they yeah. Didn't fix it. They didn't fix it? <laughs> That's why they have the MP right now. <laughs> uh, definitely wasn't law and order, though. Uh, while Dusty, Shipwreck, and Rakondo watch TV, Flint tries to cheer Lady J up by telling her that none of the Fairmonts were seriously hurt. However, Lady J feels that the Joes are not any less accountable for their actions, and she leaves. Fairmont short-circuits a control panel in the computer room with a screwdriver and sneaks inside, but Lady J catches sight of him entering the room. She kicks him into a filing cabinet and flips on the room's light and asks what he's doing there. He explains that he is looking for information on Cobra and wants to even the score. 
Lady J helps him up uh, from the ground and confesses that she shares his pain since she brought the plane down with one of her javelins. Uh, Fairmont tells Lady J that she owes him. Lady J accesses a top secret information uh, about Cobra bases. However, Lady J searches for inactive Cobra bases and informs Fairmont that Cobra owns a munitions base northwest of San Francisco. Uh, Fairmont explains that it will, it will work for him so long as Cobra is hurt. Uh, as they leave, Polly, who is sitting in an alcove above the door in the com- uh, to the computer room, flaps his wings and says, I know a secret, I know a secret. Uh, a Sky Striker soars above the Pacific Ocean, and Lady J reminds Fairmont to do exactly what she says. He agrees so long as he is allowed to pull the trigger and damage Cobra. A Cobra Rattler appears in the sky. Two missiles from the Cobra plane hit the the two tail wings of the Sky Striker, which, in my opinion, would completely shoot it out of the sky. <laughs> uh, flying up and looping behind the Rattler, she sets loose, uh, lets loose two missiles and destroys the plane because her missiles worked and his didn't. Uh, back at Joe, Joe headquarters, Flint asks Breaker, Zap, Thunder, Shipwreck, and Roadblock if they have seen Lady J. <laughs> Breaker tells Flint that if Lady J took the missing Sky uh, Striker, uh, Polly begins to flap his wings and shout that he knows a secret. Shipwreck grabs Polly and tells the bird to tell him the secret, but Polly responds, no way, Jose. Uh, Shipwreck then turns Roadblock, turns to Roadblock and asks if he still has a recipe for the favorite, uh, his favorite parrot dinner. Yeah. Parrot dinner. <laughs> yeah. Polly then yells that he will talk. <laughs> he needed that last episode. Right. When he was gigantic and could have fed the whole crew. Exactly. <laughs> um, as Lady J attempts to land, the Sky Striker is shot uh, down by a beam that causes all of the electronics to go dead. Must be that parasite thing from the alternate reality. Uh, she glides the plane into the water. Uh, she saves, uh, rescues Fairmount from drown- drowning, and uh, they climb up a tall cliff near the beach. As Cobra's latest weapon, the Power Destroyer, <laughs> very, yeah. very unique name, <laughs> uh, is lowered from an opening in the base's domed roof. Cobra Commander congratulates the weapon's creator, Dr. Filmos, on the idea of using a captured Sky Striker in the weapons test. But Dr. Filmos respond, uh, replies that he only uh, ordered three Rattlers, and Cobra Commander quickly assumes that the Joes have found Cobra's newest base and orders Major Blood to comb the beach for survivors. And all I could think of is comb the desert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, too, like, if Doctor, if the name, like, Phil Moss has any significance to, like, the writer or to anything else, because yeah, I don't know. we know for a fact of creators that we know that, you know, put people they know into sure. there. So, yeah. um, so let's see, uh, uh, Lady J confesses that she queried, uh, to Fairmont that she queried the computer for an abandoned base. However, it appears that, uh, to her that Cobra is testing a new weapon. Since the odds have changed, she orders Fairmont to hide in a cave while she tries to contact headquarters. Major Blood's men find Lady J and she is tackled to the ground and taken to Cobra's base, but Fairmont follows them. Major Blood brings, uh, Lady J to Cobra Commander and he asks when the Joes are going to attack. Lady J tells Cobra uh, Commander that she is alone, but Cobra Commander doesn't believe her. Uh, He then orders Lady J to be taken away and for Major Blood to use any amount of force required to make Lady J confess. Lady J stomps on uh, one of her captor's foot, 
uh, feet. And with an arm locked around Cobra Commander's neck, she tells Cobra's leader to order his troops to lay down their guns. But as they place their guns on the ground, Dr. Philmoth sneaks up behind Lady J and knocks her out. Uh, First time you see a doctor do something... Yeah, that's very like true. I, I can remember in a while anyway. You do like double fist, bam, like right on the back of the neck. That is very true. They typically don't do anything. <laughs> um, outside the entrance to the base, uh, Fairmont makes a rustle and, uh, in the uh, bushes near a guard. And when the Cobra agent looks into the, uh, into the bushes, Fairmont punches him. Uh, inside the base, Cobra commander questions Lady J while she is wearing a Cobra electronic headband. Uh, Cobra Commander orders Major Blood to increase the power to that tiara to force Lady J to talk. But as soon as Cobra Commander leaves the room and Major Blood turns a knob on the tiara, uh, a Cobra agent enters the room and punches out Major Blood, ripping off his mask and helmet. He tells Lady J, relax, it's me, Charlie. Well, I don't think we've they've called him Charlie. Well, maybe they did say Charles Fairmont at Fairmont at one point. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I felt like uh, this is just so stupid. Keep, we got to keep going. Got to plow through this. <laughs> I just want. I just want to. Yeah. Want to get to the end? <laughs> uh, Lady J is freed by Fairmont, and the two pretend that he is a covert agent leading Lady J around the base at gunpoint. However, the two enter a munitions room, and as Fairmont steals uh, grenades, Lady J places explosives in the room to distract Cobra so that they can blow up the energy destroyer. Uh, Dr. Filmost reports that several aircraft are approaching the base and Cobra Commander orders the energy destroyer to be tested. In combat, the armory explodes and Lady J and Fairmont sneak into the control room and attempt to stop the weapons from firing at the Joes. And when Fairmont was guiding uh, Lady J around, I I thought of the Force Awakens where Poe is guiding or Finn is guiding Poe so they can uh, steal one of the Tie Fighters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, the computer panels are locked, but before Charles Fairmont can use his computer skills to override the controls, Cobra Commander orders the Cobra agents to shoot down the door. Which it was like, oh, this is my skill. Let me take care of this, and then nothing comes of that whatsoever. <laughs> like he's not able to do anything because they get stopped. Um, Lady J orders Fairmont to take cover as the door explodes and they, uh, learn that there is a turret on the cannon that can, uh, be used to change the aim of the cannon from the approaching Joes. Lady J points to a hole in the roof as they travel to the gun. Uh, Lady J fires at the cannon in an attempt to destroy the cannon. However, her shot bounces off the side. She then turns to Fairmont and tells him to throw the last grenade at the cannon he refuses to tell, uh, refuses and tells her that the grenade is for Cobra Commander, and she says, "Charlie, the Joes are like family to me." Realizing he owes uh, a debt to Lady J for saving his family, she uh, he tosses a grenade into the cannon. Uh, the explosion from the grenade rips the cannon to pieces, and Cobra Commander throws Doctor Filmos aside and retreats. Uh, the Joes continue to fly to the island and parachute out of the planes while under fire from Cobra's defenses. Lady J fires a few shots over the Cobra agents uh, that are firing at them, and falling rocks and debris cause the agents to retreat. Fairmont punches out Dr. Philomas as he runs towards them. Uh, grabbing his arm, Lady J tells uh, Fairmont that he uh, has had enough, but Charles Fairmont simply replies, uh-uh, not until I get Cobra Commander. Uh, Fairmont slips away and fires a shot near Cobra Commander, who is but a few feet away from a Cobra Rattler. 
Cobra Commander taunts the man as a coward since Fairmont is willing to shoot an unarmed man. Uh, tossing the gun aside, which was the dumbest move in the world. <laughs> Fairmont rushes at Cobra Commander, but he is punched to the ground, and as Cobra Commander picks up the gun and aims it at Fairmont, Flint and several other Joes enter the room. Which, yeah, just shoot him. It's, it's Cobra Commander. Shoot him. That's right. <laughs> end, end of the series. <laughs> um, Cobra Commander tells Flint and the other Joes to drop their weapons or he will shoot Fairmont. Fairmount yells, forget me, soldier boy, drop this creep. But the Joes drop their guns to the ground, and uh, after Cobra Commander and Major Blood fly away, uh, climbing up from uh, the ground, an angry Fairmount asks why the Joes let Cobra Commander escape. Lady J explain, uh, places a hand on, uh, on his shoulder and tells him, our job is saving lives, not helping good men throw theirs away. Fairmont escorts his wife and kids out of the hospital, and he listens to his wife chastise him for attacking Cobra by himself. Flint and Lady J, who are standing near Fairmont's car, tell him that they hope he has learned to leave the fight against Cobra to the Joes, and Charles Fairmont tells the Joes, sure, for now, as he climbs inside his car and drives away. Flint asks Lady J, what's that supposed to mean? And thus ends the episode. Oh, man, (laughs) I just got so many problems with this one. It was so silly. I mean, it was like he became the Punisher, but not really. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> and and the fact that he, uh, no. See, I no, liked this one. I thought this one was fine. I, I I didn't I didn't like it at all. I just because he you know he's yelling at the Joes and you know getting on them and you're a bunch of glory hounds and all that crap. And then he and then he. He's a distraught man. He's just angry. Yes. But, 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 you know, all of a sudden he's got enough skill to sneak into the G.I. Joe base, which is usually that's, uh, you know, Darius or Zartan's job. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, sneaks in. And then, you know, and now Lady J says our job saving lives, not helping good men throw theirs away. She helped him try to go get help or commander. <laughs> Come on, sister. No, 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 no. But wait a minute. You're using all that logic in this and the other one before this. You said you liked it and it had a giant parrot in it. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I like giant parrots more than Charles Fairmont. I just, oh, I didn't like this see, one at all. This is I the just, other one where I wanted to see more adventures of Charles Fairmont. <laughs> Oh, no. You can have them, man. I wanted him to come back as a Joe, or I wanted to see, like, the further adventures of Charles Fairmont. (laughs) I I wanted him to go in the alternate dimension and help out Steeler and all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why this one struck me the way it did. I I thought it was the worst of the bunch. Yeah, I didn't think it was. No, see, I thought the worst of the bunch was the Ode to Cobra. (laughs) It was pretty bad, too, but, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the voice actor. I just, meh. This one didn't bother me. I didn't. I didn't love it, but like I said, I did want to. I did want to see him come back as a character at some point and do something else, or or have them catch him trying to do something else and be like, Charlie, come on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't hate this one. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. This was kind of a middle of the road one for me. So, uh, Oda Cobra was definitely the worst one. Um, Cobra Claws coming to town was kind of one of those ones where I was just like, this is a fun episode. This is one yeah, of those ones where silly. Yeah. silly, stupid, it's fun. It, it's a good good one to watch around the holidays and stuff. So, um, But yeah, I love World Without End. That was that two-parter was my, by was far, good. By far was my really favorite good. out of all of them. So, so. Uh, any last thoughts when it came to these episodes? Or, uh, You know, sometimes it's a slog, but, uh, <laughs> but it's fun. And, you know, again, I... 
even even if I didn't like the one with Mr. Fairmont much, they're they're still fun and yeah. uh, overall probably better than some blocks of five we've had. Yeah, for sure. This was definitely one of the better blocks of five because I mean some of the other ones we had we had giant corn and <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> some crazy things like that. Um, and the thing that I do like with with watching these episodes again is like you said. They might not be the, some of them might not be the best ones, but it's like, okay, even if it's not a good one, I only have to watch it for about 20 some minutes. <laughs> right. Not, not like I'm dedicating an hour and a half to a bad movie or something like that. So, well, there was at one point, and I could not find it, uh, when I looked around the last few days, but there used to be something on the tube of view that was a, basically it was the, it was the, these old series episodes in a look like a cinema frame or yeah. like in a movie theater frame and they were sped up. Yeah. I couldn't so watch them in like 17 minutes and I'm thinking they got pulled down because yeah. I looked and I just couldn't find them. So that I was just because I, I, I liked being able to watch those yeah. in, in no time. Yeah. But. I couldn't find them either. I had to actually pull out my DVDs, uh, to find, to watch these episodes, which is totally fine. I liked being able to sit down and watch, sure. them, watch, watch them that way and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, w- I was a little disappointed because I thought I could just sit there with my iPad and watch them on the, on, on YouTube and everything, but they, they were not there anymore. So, um, and I tried looking up multiple ways because sometimes people, uh, get creative on how they post the episodes so they don't get pulled down. Uh, but yeah, there, I did not see them find them out there anymore. So they, they, while they are not in the, that abbreviated format or the sped up format, you can find them on daily motion. Okay. Good to know. So, good to know. Yeah. Uh, it's good for our, our listeners out there. So, um, cause I, I, I don't know how many of them actually own the episodes or anything like that. So definitely want to make it, make it known as far as how you can find them. So, um, awesome. So, uh, Anything else you wanted to cover before we kind of close the episode out here? Uh, yeah, I don't want to end on a somber note, but I did want to, to mention the passing of one of my uh, convention friends and, and uh, mm-hmm. fellow podcaster by the name of Manza Herndon. Uh, Manza passed away a couple weeks ago very unexpectedly at the age of 38, and uh, he was a, just a, one of the sweetest guys you'd ever meet and worked – a lot of conventions here in Richmond with with Manza, and he was always he's he was a Mid Atlantic guy. He was at Awesome Con in Baltimore, and he worked security, and he worked uh, kind of you know floor management, and he did a lot of wrestling uh, panels. Wrestling was his big passion, and uh, Manza and I just happened to be in the same fraternity, which was really random when we found that out, and uh, you know bonded us in a in a different way, and so. Again, didn't want to get too maudlin or, or uh, yeah. bring it down too much, but but I did want to mention uh, about Manza's passing and uh, his family is has a GoFundMe out there. I've shared it on my page on Facebook, and uh, if you're on the Virginia Comic Con page, we have it there as well. Uh, but uh, want to just wish those that uh, that did know Manza well. I've certainly been thinking about his family and uh, several of my friends that were very close with him. Uh, obviously, again, it was a, a. It's been a really rough start to the year for a lot of people, and that was a uh, qu- quite a quite a shock yeah. and quite sad. And so, yeah, um, like I said, didn't want to bring it down too much, but did want to mention Manza and wish him Godspeed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but from 
everyone that did post something about him, it, he just seemed like he was a really good guy. So, um, and and far far too young to be to be losing him. So, yeah. um, and and if you want if you want a good laugh, uh, go find the two fat guys pod two fat guys on a podcast, which is his podcast and and their shtick. Uh, he and a guy named Matt Carroll, and uh, you've met Matt. Uh, he used to run around with me in Baltimore a bit. Those two guys would go to shows, and they're both pretty large dudes, and they would take pictures with celebrities. Nice. And and they and they made they, they would say, "This is for our show, two fat guys in a podcast." And um, yeah, they were they yeah anyway. So that's awesome. They they were yeah he will be missed. Yeah. turn things into a, a, a in a positive uh, direction or a less somber direction I should say uh, speaking of podcasts you have a new endeavor out there that you're doing I do uh, and and no I'm not leaving the show and no the show is not ending uh, here <laughs> no uh, those of you some of you know I, I I'm an HR guy by trade and um, I got very involved in social media for a lot of HR related stuff over the years. And I actually started a Twitter chat, uh, six, six, seven months ago with a friend of mine that has uh, grown and, and has a lot of, uh, a lot of traffic and just a lot of excitement around it. And we have decided to expand, uh, from the Twitter world into podcasting. And so thanks to, to Ryan and, and a lot of advice and, Having done this for a while with him, uh, I'm going to be launching the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Uh, it's going to be at hrsocialhourpodcast.com. Uh, we will be online and, and episode zero, which I'm calling our origin episode, uh, is going to be, uh, released. Um, hopefully, uh, hope is not a management strategy, but I am hoping to have it out there the, uh, first full week of February. Cool. So not sure when this show will be out, but, uh, I would say in early February, uh, Help a brother out, and uh, I, I will be posting. I'm, I will share it on on all our uh, platforms. But uh, cool. any reviews, uh, and, and please give me five stars. And, and you know, you don't have to listen. Just say John's a good dude, and <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Apparently, but no, I, I am. I'm really excited. Uh, it's a, a different way for me to give back to that community, and, and 
do something I'm really passionate about, which is helping people connect. Just like obviously we've helped people connect here over comics and Joe and, uh, and, and other stuff. This is kind of me connecting in the business world, uh, with my, uh, with my peers. So yeah, HR social hour, half hour podcast coming soon. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And, uh, I'll have the, the link to the, um, uh, to the website and everything else uh, on the on the show notes for this episode, so that people can go back and, and check it out. Um, so even if the first episode is not out by the time, like you said, uh, John, that uh, it is out, that they can still go back to our site and uh, find the link to it and everything else. Uh, this episode will definitely be out before uh, February starts. I'm hoping to actually get it out end of this weekend of us recording it. So. Uh, cause I want to get an episode out, but, um, but yeah, definitely check that out. We'll promote it obviously in the future as well for anyone that may have missed it or anything like that. Uh, cause we, I, I, I know some people listen to certain episodes and don't listen to other episodes. And so I definitely want to help promote it there for you. So, cause like you said, you're a good dude. So, uh, <laughs> thanks man. Absolutely. Oh, and I, the other thing I will say too, for those of you that are on Twitter, keep an eye out for weepy Joe cinema. Uh, Weepy Joe Cinema is a side project, for lack of a better word, that I also have going with Mr. Gallant and with Brian Shearer. Uh, so your, your artistic team for the, uh, upcoming Six Million Dollar Man G.I. Joe book, which we're all excited about, uh, we watch movies and critique them in real time under Weepy Joe Cinema as a hashtag. Uh, we did Robocop. Uh, last month, we're getting ready, I think, soon to be ready to do some more. But, uh, it, it's open to anybody and everybody. We'll be, we'll post about it before it happens. But, uh, but if you're on Twitter and say we're going to watch, uh, I know, uh, uh, Total Recalls on the list, uh, Buckaroo Bonsai is going to be on the list. And at some point, we'll just say, hey, we're doing a Weepy Joe Cinema. And at nine o'clock at whatever, whatever time we agree on, we start the movie and we just start tweeting about it. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of fun with RoboCop. A couple people chimed in. It was cool. And yeah, we had fun with it and it's, uh, uh just another thing. So yeah, <laughs> be, no, for sure. Be, you know, we had fun. So, but, but keep an eye out. We'll obviously we post on, uh, on Facebook and Twitter and those kind of things, places when we're getting ready to do one. But, uh, but again, weepy Joe cinema. And if you don't know the story behind weepy Joe's, Ask us offline, and I will tell you the story. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then speaking of projects and things that are uh, looking to do, uh, like I said, I'm actively working on now. You know, from the time you're hearing this, there'll probably even be uh, a video review coming up, uh, which I will be reviewing uh, the new uh, Visionaries versus Transformers uh, comic. Uh, and my thoughts on that issue, uh, and I'll have a few other comic issues coming out because I want to get back to doing some comic reviews for uh, for the YouTube channel. Uh, and I will be, as I mentioned earlier, I'll be doing a review of the last uh, three episodes of uh, The Toys That Made Us, so that'll be coming out as well. I'm having a lot of fun doing YouTube along with doing the podcast. There'll be another Patreon episode out very soon uh, where I'll be doing the previews catalog, and then I'm also going to be doing another episode of the uh, Green Lantern uh, comics that I've been uh, that I've started, where it's the fall and rise of Hal Jordan. 
Uh, that, that has been a lot of fun. I've only done one of those episodes so far, but that episode was a whole lot of fun, and I'm so looking forward to doing more of them this year, and there'll be one out uh, very likely early February of that. So, um, But one of the things that uh, is also my... I guess a new year's resolution to try to do is to get more exposure for the podcast itself, the regular podcast. And what I mean by doing that is I am finding places and platforms that, uh, have podcasts out there that I can contribute our RSS feed out there. So new people can actually find the episodes and everything else and, and find this community and become a part of it. Uh, I've already had through the thanks of uh, Brian over at Pop Culture Leftovers. He took our our RSS feed and added it to uh, a website called Podchasers. Uh, it's podchaser.com, and you can find our episode as well as Pop Culture Leftovers on there, and all of our episodes are on there. It's a website. You can listen right from the website. I was able to bring up the website on my phone and listen to it right from there. So if you've had any difficulty listening to our episode through any of the other channels that we have out there, such as Stitcher Radio or Podbean app or uh, the Podbean website or anything like that, uh, iTunes, anything you should, uh, this is another avenue for you. I did try reaching out to uh, someone had brought my, to my attention. Uh, Podcast One was a, a big one that was out there. I did reach out to them. Unfortunately, they will only uh, partner up with those that have uh, 40,000 downloads or more per episode. We are certainly not at that level. We average out around, if you take how many downloads we've had and how many episodes we've had, we average around like just over 6,000 per episode, which is, in my opinion, pretty damn good. <laughs> but uh, we're not at that level yet. I am looking at Google Play. Uh, I am looking at iHeartRadio, although I have a feeling iHeartRadio might be similar to uh, Podcast One. Uh, John gave me the name of a couple things to look at. But if you're out there and you know of another platform out there that just kind of, you know, where there's podcasts are out there, you know, reach out to me and let me know what, what it is because I'll get Starjo's out there if I can. So, uh, but that's one, that's something I do every few years. I kind of look to see, like, wh okay, what are some of the other new platforms that are out there and everything else? Um, so, like I said, if you have any suggestions, I'm definitely uh, welcome them. So, uh, but other than that, John, how can they find you? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Thurmond. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, yeah, and then uh, again, soon to be the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast, uh, and then always uh, vacomicon.com. We have our two-day show coming up in uh, March, and uh, don't know about guests yet, but uh, we've still got a few 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 weeks uh, before, and I, I'm sure we'll get something going there. But uh, yeah, in March, and then we'll have a two-day show up in Fairfax, uh, Virginia, in uh, June, and then a two-day show uh, Halloween weekend here back here in Richmond in October. But again, you can always find out more about about the show at vacomicon.com. Awesome. Um, well, you can find uh, Star Joe's at starjoes.com. You can uh, email us, uh, just like we got the email from Sean. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail. We haven't had one in quite a while, but it's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at starjoespodcast.com. 
You can follow us on Instagram. It, uh, just look up Star Joes, and you, uh, you can actually see on there uh, comics that I'm, as I read them, I post reviews of them. And those connect to both Twitter and to Facebook, which we have the Facebook group and we have the Facebook fan page. And the Facebook fan page is where you'll also see those comic reviews because as they post, as I post them to Instagram, they post to our fan page. Uh, and please leave comments about those reviews. Like, even though I'm giving my thoughts on the comic, I love when other people chime in as to what they thought of the issue or, some, or you know, whether they liked it or didn't like it. I love having those discussions. It's awesome. Uh, so keep, you know, keep doing that. Uh, and, uh, with the group page, you know, you request to become part of the group and I will approve it the second I see it. Uh, we've actually had quite a few people join the group in the last month, uh, which is awesome. Uh, hope to see them, you know, actually chime in with the discussion and everything else because while it's awesome to join the group and kind of see what people are posting and talking about, like, we want you to be part of the community. So, uh, definitely, you know, if you see something you like or see something you don't like, uh, as long as you're level-headed and civil about it, we can all disagree with each other as long as we don't get nasty with each other. So uh, I love seeing different discussions and different debates of ideas and everything like that. It, it's a lot of fun. So, um, And we have Star Joe's merchandise. There's uh, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all that fun stuff, coffee mugs. Uh, if you go to StarJoe's.com, you can find on the website there Links to the merchandise, links to the YouTube page, links to the Facebook pages, the phone number, the email address, all that stuff is there. So starjoes.com is the hub where you can find everything that you need to know. Uh, I think the only thing I don't have on there yet, but I will be set putting it on there very soon if I don't have it on there already, is the Patreon page, which you can get those extra episodes that I was talking about earlier for as low as $3 a month. You get access to the extra Star Joes uh podcasts and probably this year there'll be some extra video uh, things going on there as well such as tours of the studio and things like that and much like I mentioned in episode 199 those that are Patreon members uh, or patrons uh, just for that extra $3 a month you will also have early access to this these regular episodes so as I mentioned I'm going to get this episode out as quickly as I possibly can this weekend it'll be up for a few days first for Patreon members, and then it'll become available to the entire public. So if you're someone saying, well, I don't, I can't pay right now, or I don't want to pay, that's fine. I have no problem with that. I've been doing this episode for free for a long time. Still happy to do it for free. But if you want access to it right away, uh, you get that benefit as a, a Patreon member. So uh, it'll still be, again, it'll still be available to you for free just a couple days after it posts for the Patreon members. So uh believe that's everything, but as John, as you always say, if we didn't cover it this time, we'll cover it next time. So with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everybody.